Liz, I am so happy to see you again and to meet with you again. Thank you so much for, for having me here for this chat. Uh, so Liz, you know, you talking to you is really seamlessly connects with what I've been doing in the last, I would say, three, four weeks thinking about the brain health. And I want to mention a few things about you, if you're okay with that. Absolutely, go ahead. So you are currently emergency room physician at Brown, but you are also a researcher, and your interest um, is in geriatric care, and you actually completed extra uh, education in regards to that. And then you are um, doing a lot of geriatric-based prevention initiatives in emergency room and uh, gap care was one of the fault prevention, a multidisciplinary initiative, and there is also some fault prevention app on the Apple Watch, I think you are working on, and the most recent venture that you went into, completely kind of unrelated, but really maybe related, because none of us wants to have COVID, of course, but the best thing for brain protection, not to have infections is your COVID app, which has been quite popular, over 1 million users. Uh, so that's, uh, is it fair description of what you're doing and your interests? Absolutely, I um, am interested in digital health and uh, aging and healthy aging and really helping people that um, come to the emergency department um, have a safer trajectory after they leave um, and be able to prevent you know, common illnesses um, and public health problems like COVID. And you know, it's, uh, it strikes me as a little unusual, your trajectory to do your research, because I rarely hear about emergency room physician establishing and researching such an ambitious project of you know fall prevention which strikes me more as a community community based or geriatrician based project maybe nursing home relation and you just really thought that there's a huge need because patients were coming to the hospital after falls uh, for something that could probably be preventable Absolutely. So I think that fall prevention often is thought of as a primary care physician problem, but uh, to be honest with you, about a fourth, only a fourth of patients actually tell their uh, primary care doctor that they've had a fall, because many older folks don't think that it's important, um, but it actually is an indicator that they're getting more um, frail, that they have a balance issue or a strength issue, and so it can be one of the first indications to us as medical professionals that they need some help. Yeah, and as a rheumatologist, as you can imagine, I see a lot of patients with arthritis, back pain, knee pain, uh, that all actually is leading to falls or is one of the risk factors other than aging that uh, leads to that. But you know, going back to the brain, and I know you studied the topic so uh, well, what do you think is about falls, about aging brain or progression? What, what is it? And, and you know, it's balance related, but how do you understand what's happening to us? Yeah, so um, falls are an isolated event. It's just one indicator that we're getting older and we have a lot of age related changes that affect cognitive health as we get older. So when we think about brain health, um, kind of globally, we think of brain health in four areas. We think of cognition, so how we're thinking, our memory, we're thinking of um, motor um, health 
as it relates to the brain, um, how well we're exercising, what our strength is like. We think of emotional health. So how do we relate to other human beings? Because one of the things that changes in our brains as we get older is sometimes we um, become more isolated and we don't relate uh, to humans the same way. We don't remember them the same way. And then there's this tactile um, health as well. You know, how, how do we um, feel things? How do we see things? How do we he uh, hear things? So um, there's many components of brain health and cognition um, is just one of them. And uh, when I think about falls, I think that, you know, there's actually multiple things that are not functioning well. If you're falling, you probably have um, some, potentially some changes in your vision. So we know that um, depth perception changes as we get older. Um, you might be falling because you're not hearing as well. And actually the leading modifiable um, uh, factor in preventing um, dementia is hearing loss. So one of the important things you can do if you're really worried about your brain health, maybe if you have a genetic predisposition to Alzheimer's or, um, or that's just a particular fear of yours, is to make sure that you're um, protecting your hearing um, because a lot of people lose their ability to hear and then it's very expensive to get hearing aids um, and it's not something we check commonly. Um, so, so hearing is one of the main things we can do to prevent um, sort of earlier onset of dementia. And I think that's not really widely appreciated. Um, the other thing that happened with falls is um, that you might not be feeling very well in your feet. So a lot of people get something we call peripheral neuropathy where they just don't have really good feeling. They don't even know that their feet are on the ground or they can't um, perceive that they're on kind of a squishy surface instead of a hard surface. And that can cause falls. Um, and then um, things like balance. And so a lot of things affect your balance, for instance. We, we see patients a lot in the emergency department that drink too much alcohol. And that's actually been a big problem during COVID-19 that people have been kind yeah. of using substances to, um, to make it easier for them to cope with COVID-19. But alcohol use does affect your ability to balance and coordinate. And those are all very important factors in falls. And, and, you know, alcohol also predisposes to these cognitive deficiencies, vitamin deficiencies, and deterioration of the brain, like a Swiss changes there. So that definitely is something to think about how COVID is going to affect us probably on so many levels. Anxiety, maybe poorer access to healthcare or skipping this necessary appointment, definitely marginally associating, you know, um, or meeting with other people, which is a big problem. A lot of my older patients, they tell me at this point that they've been home for 12 months and just very close circle of friends and family only visits them. Um, and also, you know, another thing when you mentioned hearing, I'm thinking we all are, you know, in Zooms and in televisits and it's students, it's us, it's teachers, it's our patients. And do you feel that there is an intervention um, to protect our ears, you know, earplugs versus regular headphones? Are you aware of any data regarding that? Yeah, I think there's a lot of different ways to protect your hearing. One of the cool new tech ways that might not be accessible to everybody, but um, the Apple's created this, um, together with the Apple Watch and the iPhone, they have a hearing detector so that when the sound level is too high in your area and it's considered dangerous for hearing, it actually gives you a buzz on your, on your watch. So you know to put in, um, 
to put in something to uh, ear plugs or something else to protect your ears. Also, if you know you're going to a concert, you're going to a place where there's going to be loud noises, um, or you're bringing your kids to a place where there's going to be loud noises, bringing those um, head uh, phones that are noise blocking with you can be really import important and really turning down the volume to the point where you can adequately hear. So, it, it, you know, the TV doesn't need to be blasting. If you're already hearing it, you can put it down to a lower volume. Um, all of those things are helpful. Yeah, I think everything is blasting nowadays. You know, it's iPhone, it's, tel it's telephone, it's the computer in front of you. It's like we are the society of buzzing, I feel, especially now. As, and another thing, you know, I, could you tell me a little bit about Apple Watch and how patients wear it? Just a little bit more about idea about it, how it prevents the falls. Yeah. First, I, I do want to mention that um, I have an NIH-funded study that uses the Apple Watch and also that Apple has um, provided Apple Watches for the study for free. So that's just a little disclaimer there. They don't pay me for my research, but I just want people to know that, um, that I am a grantee of Apple. Um, so... Some of the, the reasons why I chose to use the Apple Watch for um, our study is that they have these inbuilt sensors that can uh, notice um, how fast you're moving through, through space, um, if you're rotating through space. And so they created this new algorithm so that if you fall, it, it uh, notices that you're making this movement with your wrist, and then it can get in touch with your designated uh, caregiver or loved one so that if you fall and you don't get up, then they can send a message to your, uh, to your emergency contact. And it can also call 911 if you don't respond. So that's one of the neat features of the Apple Watch I like. The other, other things that we use for our study is we do tests of your brain health. So for instance, we want to know how quickly you react to things. So there's this great test called reaction time where the Apple Watch will show you a dot on the screen and it measures the time between when you see the dot and you shake the phone. So every time you see a dot, you're supposed to shake a phone and the longer it takes you to register, oh, there's a dot, now I have to shake the phone. So the longer that period of time, the, the um, worse your reaction time is and we suspect that is going to be associated with falls because you're slow to respond to hazards, um, you're obviously gonna be more likely to fall. And that's a, one of the leading reasons people fall is they have these environmental hazards in their homes and they um, don't react quickly enough to them or they don't see them. Um, so that's one of the, the fun things we're measuring. We also measure gate speed. And this has been, gate speed is one of the best tests to do. If I only had to do, if I could only do one test on my older folks to tell you how healthy they are, and their, their chance for having um, serious illness in the future would be a gait speed test because how fast you can walk um, tells us a lot about um, your health, your, your strength, your balance, your vision, um, your ability to react to hazards. Um, so all of, those, all of those things are important reasons why we use the watch. And you know, this is something that we certainly can educate our patient through telemedicine to do, you know, just once, once every six months, check it out. Or can you know, get up from the floor or even from the chair you know, without holding to the side? I think all of these things are so easy for patients to test and to report back to us. So I think it's, it's great. And I just wonder regarding Apple Watch, I don't have one, <laughs> but uh, what is your, uh, how patients react to that? Because it's pretty, I consider it still pretty high tech. And how do they react to the different generation that you study? 
Yeah, I mean, I think the people that we found, that the people that have used a smartphone before, especially within the Apple ecosystem, are pretty comfortable with using the Apple Watch. Um, and if you have caregivers or people that um, help you out at home, they tend to be more comfortable because they know they have someone to go to. Um, if you're living alone and you've never used um, any kind of touch device, um, not, never used an iPad or anything that requires you know, your hand to move around the screen, then it's very, then it's very challenging because it's just not intuitive um, to point your finger at something and lift it up really quickly. Um, and you do have to remember passwords and other things that can be, that can be challenging when you get older. Yeah. Um, so there's other, there's definitely other pedometers out there that can track, you know, how many steps you're walking, which is, is, is a great thing to have as you get older. Um, and even when you're young, I mean, we're all a little bit more sedentary now with uh, COVID-19. Um, and there's other more simple devices that you don't need to connect to a phone. One of the downsides of the Apple Watch is you do need an iPhone and obviously cost is a, is a big consideration for um, a lot of our patients. Yeah, so, you know, I, I think the future in it for our generation or when we, you know, will be, I, I think, you know, if I think about it, you know, what's going to happen when I'm like 67, I think maybe perhaps a little older, but you, you never know. Um, and we are a generation that we will have a phone to measure our steps, to put us to sleep, you know, with some nice meditation and at the same time, you know, to incorporate this innovation that you're talking about. So I think it's probably going to a big shift. Uh, more people are comfortable with this, and we and we pretty much are. This is our everyday thing to use all of these devices. Um, right. I mean, I wish you could see my <laughs> my screen that's in front of me right now. I have the second monitor, my laptop, my that I like to type on my work laptop, my phone. It's um, it's almost required if you're in in medicine now. Do you have chip? And I have my. Apple Watch on me. Apple Watch, okay. But you don't have a chip injected yet, huh? No, not yet. Not we're, yet. We're getting close to that, though, I'm sure. <laughs> it's coming some, somehow, but not with vaccine. COVID vaccine, completely safe. <laughs> please get vaccinated when you get a chance. Please, please, for goodness sake. Um, if you were to choose five strategies to prevent falls, so let's say, you know, we start thinking about it in the middle age and later on, what would that be? Fault preventive. Yeah, so I want to point people to a great resource. Um, there's this, the CDC has something called Steady, which is their fall prevention um, resource that's available for anybody. And you can print out handouts there and you can actually go through your home and remove all the things that are hazards. You know, do it for yourself, do it for your loved ones. Um, those are things like removing area rugs, making sure you have um, grip bars um, by the stairs, making sure that you have automatic automatic lighting because a lot of people fall in the restroom um, at night when they're waking up and they're a little disoriented. Mm -hmm. um, having someone look at your medications. So there are a lot of medications that increase falls and, and the ones that are highest risk are things like antihistamines that people take for allergies, um, but also sleep medicines and medications for depression and anxiety. So mentioning to your doctor that you worry about falls and um, whether they can look over your medications and go through and see if there's ones that you can stop um, are really important. And anytime you fall, you definitely want to talk to your doctor about it because they, they will want to change your medications if there's medications leading to falls. Um, the other thing is um, 
really staying active, doing meaningful activities and hobbies that, that get you out of the house and get you in communication with people. And if your brain exercise and your body exercise, um, I think uh, that is uh, incredibly important um, because if you're sedentary or, you know, your muscles and, are going to get weaker and it's going to be harder for you to balance. Um, and then there's this great exercise, which I really recommend to, to everybody. Anyone can do it. You really don't have to be very conditioned. Um, it's called Tai Chi and multiple studies have shown that Tai Chi, which is um, a uh, great exercise for balance, um, is also very relaxing um, and gets, you, um, gets your heart beating a little bit. Um, that is wonderful exercise to prevent falls. So most community health centers and um, states have programs um, that offer Tai Chi for, for folks of all different ages. And that's a wonderful exercise to start. Yep, Tai Chi is wonderful. And uh, we use it a lot for recommendation for fibromyalgia and other rheumatic diseases because of this mind-body connection. And uh, I see sometimes people uh, exercising in the backyards, and it looks so fantastic. It relaxes me just to look at them, and I can imagine, you know, that it's so wonderful for body. And definitely, you know, the balance is super important. And I there's so many fun things nowadays to do with balance. There's this wonderful exercise on the water you can do paddle boarding. Um, that is, uh, and people do even um, yoga on on the paddle board. I've seen it a few yeah. times. Yeah, that is. You've got to be really skilled to do that, though. Can you imagine? I, this, is, this is where I want to get, uh, get and, you know, of course, encourage whoever can. But you're right. That's a little bit. It's an it's a eye coordination, the hearing, the muscle strength, the balance. It's like it really um, checks it all as far as the fall prevention. And I think this was great to talk to you. And I'm thinking about sending you an article that I recently read at Arthritis Care and Research about how back pain and osteoarthritis are both connected to increasing the risk of fall and the mechanism of falls that you mentioned, uh, forward tripping, those are the most often things that happen to things. And that can drastically change quality of people's life when they go to the hospital and God forbid, um, break a hip or other bone. And we know that, but it drastically, drastically changes, changes the outcomes for a good future. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much for having me. It's been a real pleasure to be here with all of you. Uh, thank you so much, Liz.